Hey everybody, welcome to the first ever episode of um, our podcast named Behind the Stethoscope. I have the honor of hosting the first ever episode of Behind the Stethoscope. My name is Ben Leung. I'm a cardiologist here at Royal Columbian and Eagle Ridge Hospital. I'm one of the four uh, founding uh, members of this podcast project. Uh, I'm joined by Dr. Samir Malhotra, respirologist at Royal Columbian Hospital, Dr. Joelle Bradley, hospitalist at Royal Columbian Hospital, as well as Dr. Gerald DeRosa, nephrologist and head of the Department of Medicine here at Royal Columbian Hospital. So this podcast was a nine-month work-in-progress project uh, that started last summer. And after many meetings and a lot of discussions, I'm very happy that we are able to sit down here today to have this discussion. Now, we'll get into where this podcast came from and how this developed um, as we go through with this discussion. Um, but I'm going to start off with asking my friend, Dr. Samuel Marhotra, who actually was the one that approached me initially with this idea of how he came up with this idea of the podcast and, and where it came from. And uh, I'm going to get you, Samir, to comment on that. Sure. Thanks, Ben. Um, I feel kind of really grateful that, as you said, after nine months, we're here and it's come to fruition. Uh, certainly the inception of it all was for a variety of reasons, but I think the most important was seeing our our whole hospital and hospitals, as you point out, Eagle Ridge and Royal Columbian, growing. And we have an excellent place to work uh, with great colleagues. And as we start to grow, um, the recognition that we need to stay connected. Um, and you know, being a teaching hospital, we're very lucky to have medical learners um, as well here. And you know, some of the things that we face as professional physicians, um, they face as well as they grow into the profession uh, to become a physician. And, and recognizing all of that, it, and knowing that there were people that were champions and leaders in medical education and physician wellness, um, and had the capacity and interest to, to bring together a podcast, uh, I thought it would be nice to bring this group together to make that opportunity to keep us all connected um, as we grow. Uh, you know, I think if we clearly comprehend together that we are very similar and not dissimilar, and we can recognize that we're connected um, because we share the same experiences, no matter you're a medical student or, you know, midway through your career as a physician, uh, we can see and empathize with each other and feel the similarities and that connection. You know, if we can abandon that, that worry that we're different and understand that we're very similar in our in our experiences uh, as an individual, as a division, as a department, uh, it becomes more um, compatible to work together um, and share those experiences. And when we realize that connection, I think it becomes very easy um, to recognize the unique aspects of who we work with as well. Um, so I hope this podcast will give us all the opportunity to hear our colleagues' unique lives and experiences and what they do in medicine as well as outside of medicine so we can, as we grow, keep ourselves connected. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of where I, it came from. And I'm really lucky to have everyone in this room. I, uh, Gerald has, uh, time after time, been an advocate for medical education and, and as our department head, as you pointed out, um, for looking at resilience and 
doing projects around that and Joelle having an interest in physician wellness and being an advocate over that for the last decade and yourself having the 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 uh, recognition of how to make meaning out of a discussion in your podcasts uh, that you've done before these just seem like a natural fit to bring us all together to to provide that platform to everyone now I'm going to ask you Joelle that you know I know that you're very involved with physician wellness and I'm very curious and I'm sure everyone's listening is curious as well as how did you get involved with physician wellness and, and why is it important to you so it was way back in 2011. I think Samir and I were both kind of involved with the provincial physician health program. I was getting some coaching there and I'm not sure what Samir was doing there, but they kind of let us know that we both had this similar interest of physician wellness. And Samir and I started just thinking really big, like how could we bring physician wellness to the Royal Columbian and what could we do? And we ended up setting up, I think, two Thursday afternoons in the end of 2011. And I think we had something like 25 people come out all together and, and they said we should start a wellness group and we should help onboard new doctors who come to the hospital and um, and kind of the rest is history. From there we, we had our first inaugural meeting in June 2012 and we've had a steering committee that's been meeting ever since, um, kind of like six times per year and we get together and create events where physicians can come out and meet each other um, like there's GPs in the community who never meet the specialists anymore because we don't have a doctor's lounge and GPs are, you know, relegated to their offices in the communities and it's a way of getting a name to the face. And why I'm so excited about this podcast is in 2017 we did this survey and these doctors are saying like, I am so appreciative that MDs for Wellness exists and I cannot come to events. I've got kids, I'm too busy, I can't come to events, and I'm so appreciative that you guys are there, and maybe one day I'll come out. And so when Samir came up with this idea that we could do a podcast, it's like people can actually engage with their MDs for Wellness community. Even if they can't get out to an event, they could listen to us in the car or whatnot. So I was very excited. That's awesome. And uh, Gerald, I'm gonna ask you, you know, as medical having a, a, a leadership position uh, in our hospital um, you've you've had some experiences with um, physician wellness particularly pertaining to residents in the internal medicine department um, why did you decide to get involved with this project as well and 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 why do you feel like it's an important uh, medium for for dealing with physician wellness mm-hmm. yeah Ben I think I think you're right is is um, my experience with wellness has originally been from the residency program. So um, we started CTO out here many years ago, and um, the residency program has had a lot of, they're a bit more advanced in terms of focusing on resident wellness and uh, issues of burnout and things like that. Um, so we've had that dialogue for probably the past 10 years. Um, and uh, what we have been noticing in the residency program is that more people seem to have been suffering from challenges with balancing work, life, and all the demands put upon them. So as a residency program, even though our numbers are increasing and we've gone, you know, this is kind of analogous to what Samir has been saying, you know, our department has expanded, our residency program expanded from 16 residents per year, so like a total of 50 residents, 
to 50 residents per year. So now we have 150 residents in the program at any given time. If you include some of the more senior residents, then you're looking at mean more around 180. Um, what we've been noticing is there's an increasing frequency of residents going on leave of absence. And that started us looking into it, um, not just for selfish reasons, because obviously it creates a lot of issues when someone just disappears, you know, that's when you start to notice it. It affects kind of the call schedule and plugging people in. But, you know, in a broader sense, you're saying, well, what's going on, right? Why are people having a tougher time handling things? You know, um, we need to look into this. You know, ultimately, our goal is to um, train, support, and help people in their journey through residency. And uh, how do we tackle this? Because it's a phenomenon that seemed to be increasing. Now, you know, when you do some reading and stuff, you wonder, is it a phenomenon that's increasing? Or is it just being recognized more? Um, and I think when you look at the literature about physicians that are in practice, I think it's pretty clear that this stuff was happening for many years. It's just that there was not the culture that was accepting of, you know, even the language of burnout, needing assistance, needing help, you would just sweep it under the rug. And I think people just kind of, um, you know, for lack of a better term, sucked it up, right? And I think, um, fortunately, we're seeing initially in the residency program, a better recognition of wellness and, um, and trying to tackle uh, physician burnout. And, you know, originally when I looked at it as a, I thought it was mainly a resident problem, to be honest. I thought maybe there was a generational thing. Um, you know, that was kind of a little bit of the flavor. Um, but uh, probably about half a year ago, um, I was contacted in the same time span, probably in a one, two week time span. We had three department members for whatever reason, um, abruptly leave their practice or reduce their practice. And, um, you know, it really hit me just cause it all happened all at the same time that, uh, that this was something that maybe I should spend a bit more time looking into. And, um, so um, not, not knowing that Samir or Joel had been specifically looking at that, they were kind of more, my understanding was focusing on just wellness events and stuff and not looking into the actual burnout aspect of things. Um, I, I wanted to kind of delve a little deeper into understanding, you know, burnout and, you know, what could be contributing to this uh, phenomenon. <coughs> um, and so... Uh, what I did was I, I was enrolled in a Souter leadership uh, course that was run by FHA. And they tell you as, uh, as a leader, pick something you're passionate about. Uh, pick something that you want to look into, spend some time doing that you think will provide value to your department. And because of the timeliness of this, um, I picked physician burnout. Um, and... So I did some research into burnout, uh, tried to understand the different dimensions because it's actually a very complex idea. Um, and my project was designed to measure uh, burnout initially um, and then try and look at ways to which we could address it and then re-measure after interventions were made. Kind of a lofty project for 
one person to do, I have to admit, I'm still stuck at the measuring part. Um, but coincidentally, you know, Samir with his interests um, in this arena contacted me. We've been having some dialogue with uh, some experts in Harvard. Uh, they're mainly focused right now around undergrad and postgrad, um, but it looks like um, they're trying to integrate that into, you know, practicing attending physicians in uh, in settings like ours, um, and they'll train physicians, and so um, it was kind of timely. And then, as everyone said, you know, how do you improve people's wellness? Um, we have tried to have our own departmental events. Uh, we have a barbecue in the summer where we invite the physicians, their uh, partners, their uh, children. We try and have a Christmas-ish dinner. Um, and, uh, but you know, once again, people say they're busy, you know, they have family events, they're trying to balance off work and all the other factors. Our turnout's pretty good, but, uh, the person who organizes it, Corey Gabbana for us, she basically has to harangue people, you know, starting four months in advance, you know, chase them down and try and get them there. Right. And it really shouldn't be that hard. Um, but I understand it myself, you know, kids work you know, hobbies, all that sort of stuff. And uh, so what are the ways that you can connect people? Because uh, I fundamentally feel that um, culture is, is a way to counteract um, feelings of either, you know, being overworked or feeling depersonalized, uh, feeling like you're you know, you're not getting value in what you're doing because those are all factors that contribute to someone feeling burnt out, right? And I think that uh, we do a pretty good job here, you know, at the Columbian um, with that community atmosphere. Um, and I think, you know, thinking outside the box with things like podcasts where you can try and kind of bring that community back together, um, but in a way that's efficient, right? I think all of us now seem to use podcasts. You know, I drive to work and I listen to a podcast on the way in, I listen to podcasts on the way out. It's usually about sports, but, um, you know, I did listen to your podcasts, uh, Ben, and that was great. Thank you. And, uh, and I do think like, you know, everyone has to drive home or tran you know, do some form of transportation and everyone has their phone and it's, it's actually a very convenient mechanism. Yeah. Um, and I think if we can share stories, share strategies, um, you know, get to know people, you know, we still, because the hospital grows so large, um, within my department, I know people, but I still don't know everyone. Um, and there's new people that crop up all the time, you know, and you don't actually, you know, you start to lose sight of who they are, right? And I think that it would be nice if people were known on a more personal level and not a professional level, um, and so when you see that person in the hall or you see that person on the ward, you kind of know a little bit about them, right? You know, I try and remember how people have kids, but, the, but it's hard to keep track. Like how many kids do they have? What are their kids' names? You know? I know uh, you have four. Yeah, I, I can keep track of my own. <laughs> I know Samir's uh, too. <laughs> I know Samir's got two boys, but it's, you know, it's hard, right? Like I, I actually don't know kind of, I can guess what their ages are, but you know, yeah. they're probably like, three years older than I would guess because uh, time moves so, f so fast. So, um, so, you know, that's why I really feel it's important is, is um, 
When I look at what the strength of your job is, or the strength of the hospital, my fundamental belief is uh, everything is about the people, right? It's not about the building. It's not about anything else. And what makes our hospital great is actually the people in the hospital and the fact that they care about, you know, and they work so hard and they do such a good job. And you'll hear time and time again that there's kind of a reputation that at Royal Columbian, you work harder sometimes with less, right? And you do what's right for the patient. And I think there is real drive when you look at people to be really dedicated to their craft, right? But that energy comes from, you know, somewhere. And that energy comes from being enthusiastic about, you know, your work and being happy in your workplace. And, and to me, um, that stems from being f- well supported, having the culture that, that it, you know, really encourages that and really enjoying, you know, working with the people around you. Um, I couldn't agree more, yeah. Gerald. And actually, I always keep telling people that the best thing about my job is the people that I work with. Uh, especially here at Royal Columbian Hospital. And I think the reason why we all came up with the name for this podcast of Behind the Stethoscope is really to highlight the people first, like you mentioned. You know, when I read articles about physician wellness, they always say you always have to remember that you're a human being first and physician second. Mm-hmm. And and I think for me, my hope for this podcast is for people to share their stories and to help connect one another so that when you go down the hall and you say, hey, Samir, I didn't know that you're an ultra marathon runner. And and it really builds that collegiality other than calling Samir for a consult or calling you for a consult or talking to Joelle about a patient. Um, I think there's much more to work than just all the technical and uh, patient aspects, you know, and it definitely makes work way more enjoyable. Yeah. for everybody I was actually just going to mention that you know like if I see you on the cardiology floor you usually we talk about basketball for a little while right because we yeah. both yeah. love basketball and how I don't like uh, the Lakers and <laughs> how you hate the Lakers and uh, I love the Lakers um, you know Samir sports and you know and medical education stuff but a lot of sports we talk about too um, and then Joelle you know I'm watching her Instagram with interest and uh all the baking she does. I don't know how you keep up with all that, but um, it's quite amazing. Uh, it makes me hungry, though. Uh, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> let me try your croissants. <laughs> you, you missed uh, her, her croissant uh, samples last time. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah no, and um, I think, you know, we did talk a lot about burnout, and burnout obviously is a big component of physician wellness, but I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, I think we don't want this entirely to be about burnout, mm-hmm. I think, you know, Joelle, what would be your hope on some of the topics you would want to discuss or hear from this podcast for our Fraser Health community? So when I think of burnout and the discussions that we've had in our steering committees on at MDs for Wellness, we were talking about, you know, what is our vision? Do we want to like eliminate burnout from the physician experience? And it's it's impossible. Like wellness to burnout is like this big spectrum and there are tools and techniques and things that we can do that move us more towards wellness and then there's things that happen in our lives that drag us more towards burnout so you're always like managing yourself on this spectrum uh one of my good friends was saying and this actually has come up with a a number of doctors who've gone through burnout and you'd never know because doctors are very very private like 
they they deal with their shit and they keep working and they they put their patients first they always do and when you get to know a physician and you find out what they were going through last year it's absolutely jaw-dropping and I, I look forward to having some of these physicians on air with us where we can like ask pull back the curtain if they'll let us and tell us what's happened to them and how they dealt with it and what it's like to hit rock bottom and and how they got to where they are today because we have just some amazing physicians in our community who you'd never know the struggles that they've had. Could I just throw a question out to the group? I, I, I wonder, how do people feel about the term burnout? Because, you know, when I've been reading a lot of things, they say burnout has a very negative connotation, right? And it almost kind of kind of puts a little bit of the blame on the physician, like you're burning out, right? And it's like, you should own that, right? And and so I've, I've you know, read in some of the literature, they say we should probably not use the term burnout really at the end of the day. But I don't know what you guys think about it because as we go forward, are we going to, should we use that term? You know, should we recognize that limitation of the term? You know? Yeah, I think people who are not involved with medicine, for example, if I talk to my wife, who's not in medicine, about burnout, a lot of times they equate it to depression. Mm. But burnout is not depression. Burnout is a completely separate entity from depression. And, or if I think about burning out, a lot of people would say, oh, you are being lazy. Yeah, or, working too hard. Yeah, or or working to, too hard. Yeah. Or you just need to take a break or take a step back. But there are so many determinants of burnout that is not involving working X number of hours, right? And I think that's what I wanted to kind of broach to you guys as well is, you know, what are some of the determinants of burnout? It's a, it's a cultural concept. It's stigmatized as everyone's pointed out. And, you know, we have an opportunity as a group of physicians, a community of physicians to investigate that specific question. To your question specifically, I think there's, or I believe there could be internal and external factors that drive that issue. And the alternative opportunity would be to drive a more positive perspective. So how do we build resilience? What tools can we put in each individual's toolbox to build that? Um, and there's many opportunities to build that capacity, to build that resilience. So, you know, sure, you can use the term burnout, or we can f look at it in the mirror and say, maybe as you're all pointing out, maybe it's not a burnt out individual. Maybe it's an individual that needs to build on their resilience. Um, and be provided in this form, for instance, individuals who've been through certain situations or experiences and share how they became resilient. Or, as we've pointed out, there's some individuals with very unique lives, how they continue to keep that resilience a consistent part of who they are um, with the balance of work and, you know, their family and in all of that. So uh, my perspective is there are external pressures that is un not unique to any individual, whether you're a medical learner or a full fl in your profession early, mid, or late in your career. Those external factors are always going to be there. But it's the internal opportunities to build the resilience so that the worry of burnout or that stress is not so much of a concern. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I totally agree, uh, Samir. But, and I also want to mention... Um, Gerald, you mentioned 
earlier when you're talking about residents and burnout that it was cultural mm-hmm. or the culture of medicine, uh, which I agree. But how much of it is also the way medicine is practiced nowadays as well? How much is it, is it because of a lot of times we're doing a lot of um, paperwork or bureaucratic work, things yeah. that maybe we were not necessarily taught in medical school? That's really been burdensome to our day-to-day job. Yeah. How much of it is our intrinsic personality traits? I think we all can attest that being in medicine requires a certain personality trait. Um, and some of that, I think, contributes to burnout as well. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it's so complicated because you're right, Ben. Some people, you know, I had a colleague who's a surgeon at another hospital. And he said, you know, I don't mind the call. I don't mind seeing the patients. Uh, you know, what frustrates me is the day-to-day annoyances, you know, inefficiencies. And he said, that is what is getting to me, you know. And so, you know, it's the OR and then getting bumped and waiting for two hours and, you know, like not getting to utilize your time efficiently, right? And so for that person, that was the driving force. Um, it's interesting, the residents asked me to speak about burnout at their Whistler retreat and kind of comment on my experience with the department and what I was doing. And I kind of wanted to make it personal. So then I kind of thought about it and I said, you know, I won't go into too many details because it was a long discussion, but I kind of said, you know, on face value, I was, I thought, oh, I've, I've never been burnt out, right? I just, I did my residency, I got my job here, I started my job and I was totally fine, right? And I thought, well, really when you break it down, you say, you know, I wasn't burnt out in terms of managing workload, but in terms of like enjoying going to work every day and having a positive attitude and not being grumpy, you know, I asked my wife, who was my wife at the time, like, you know, was I ever burnt out? And, uh, and actually kind of in discussion, you know, I really thought about it introspectively and, and I realized that during fellowship, there was a period of time where I was really burnt out and I was really dreading kind of um, going to work, dreading doing these, you know, uh, research papers that I really didn't totally want to do, but I felt like I had to do them, you know. And, you know, I realized that for me, and I was trying to tell the residents this, for me, the reason I felt burnt out was because I lost my sense of purpose. I said, you know, if I have a sense of purpose, and I think people know me, I can do a lot of stuff. Like I can work hard, I can pick up a lot of tasks, I'm pretty efficient. But if I lose that sense of purpose, then I kind of lose sight of the bigger picture. And, you know, apparently I get quite grumpy. Um, So, um, but for other residents, it is actually, you know, the long hours, the 36 hour shifts. Some people don't deal with sleep deprivation all that well, right? So each person is such a unique individual. Um, But you're right, there's, I think there's more factors in the job as a physician, right? Like when you read about it, that, you know, there's a good paper that I read that said, there, there's five key factors that um, set physicians up for some form of burnout, however you define it, right? And some is this type, their own intrinsic personality, um, and some is um, the hours and the workload, but they said some is the stress of the responsibility that you bear, right? And I think we forget about that too. And I think that um, when dealing with resilience, a lot of what I've discovered with residents is twofold. Um, one is um, they really want to do a good job 
and they really take the highs and lows of medicine personally, right? And I think that when someone declines, you know, we had morbidity mortality rounds today. When someone died, you know, the resident presented the case and you could see they were very upset about it still. And, you know, the attendings around the table, you know, reviewed the case and really that person was likely going to pass away regardless of what the resident had done. And from what we could see, the resident had done everything possible, including staying late, getting all these specialists to see. Um, but you could still see that they, they were questioning, you know, what else could I have done? And, you know, that that affected them personally, right? And, um, and so I think that that alone, I think we don't think about that responsibility um, that we bear enough, yeah. I want to go back to, I, I found it very interesting when you were talking about how you have experienced burnout in the eyes of your wife because <laughs> you didn't feel a sense of purpose. Now, people who are listening who may not be in healthcare may say, that seems ridiculous, Gerald, because you're a nephrologist, yeah. you're a doctor, every day you are saving lives. What do you mean you don't have purpose? I know, I actually know what you mean by that. Yeah. Because I think I would, I felt the same way. I mm -hmm. have experienced physician burnout. And for me personally, it came to, I didn't feel like I had any more goals after a while. Mm -hmm. I, I think when you go through the hoops of becoming a physician, there's so many hoops and targets and obstacles that you overcome. And once you're out in practice for a few years, I did feel a little bit lost mm -hmm. after five years. Yeah. Um, so I wanted you to speak on what did you mean when you felt like you didn't have a purpose? Yeah, no, it's interesting because, you know, in, in medical school, you kind of do what essentially people tell you to do, right? You go in a rotation, you try and figure out what they want you to do in that rotation, and you kind of conform to what they want, right? And even in residency, there's a certain formula to be a quote-unquote successful resident, right? So, you know, you clinically work very hard, but then you want to get into fellowship. So um, you want to rotate in those things, you want to work with the right people, you obviously want to do some research projects, um, and things like that, and then, you know, Obviously, when you train an academic center, you work with a lot of academic clinicians. They're your role models. And so you get encouraged to pursue kind of a similar clinical pathway. So I can tell you when I was training, that was kind of the clinical pathway that was set out for people is, you know, you know, the end all and be all theoretically when you're a resident was that you would get a job at, you know, BJH or St. Paul's as an academic clinician. And certainly that was my goal. I mean, if you talk to anyone who knew me back in the day, um, you know, I had a math statistics background. You know, my plan was to do, uh, you know, high level research in an academic center, do a sub fellowship in nephrology and things like that. And then, you know, work at a, at a tertiary care academic center, you know, with residence fellows and all, and all that stuff. And, um, so I think that the thing was, you get on this treadmill and you say, that's the path I'm gonna do, and you just do it, right? And you, and you just keep plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. And at some point, like the reason I, I burnt out was because, you know, when I looked at whether I really enjoyed all the aspects of what that entailed, um, I found that I wasn't really enjoying it. Right, and I think my wife could recognize like I was miserable. I, you know, I remember um, drafting, 
you know, any of you have written research papers, you know, you draft it, you send it in, the editors send it back, you draft it again. Sometimes the editors contradict each other. So one editor tells you to do it this way, which contradicts the other editor. So then you're trying to figure out some way to do it. And, you know, you're working on the fourth draft of the same manuscript. And, you know, I'm cursing away and, you know, grumbling and, you know, kind of not the nice person to be around. And, you know, my wife actually asked me, she said, do you really like this? You know, not, 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 not trying to be confrontational. She just said, you know, we have this plan. You know, I'm, I fully support your plan. I want you to be happy. But she said, you know, I kind of noticed you're certainly not as happy as you used to be a couple of years ago. <laughs> and um, do you really enjoy what you're doing, right? And, you know, it seems like a very simple question, you know, but if you actually sit down and think about it, you say, you know, it's a hard one to answer because you have to be honest with yourself, right? Uh, because I've been trained to do all this and I was, I think I was pretty good at it, but like, did I actually enjoy it, right? And, uh, and when it all came down to it and I sat down and I thought, no, I don't really enjoy it, right? I don't enjoy writing papers. I don't, I, you know, it's great that there are people who do, you know, it's a very important aspect of medicine, but it just wasn't for me. And when I sat down and said, you know, what do I enjoy the most? I said, I love seeing patients. I really do love clinical medicine. And I said, I love teaching. I said, those are the, if, if I could boil my job down and say, what two things give me value? I would say, those are the two things that give me value. And so um, at that point, I abandoned my career plans, um, start to look at community jobs, which was not done usually at the time. Um, lucked out at coming to the Columbian here. The group had a job you know, and, and I took it here. It was a little bit different than what I anticipated. You know, we had no internal medicine residents here when I started years ago. Um, I actually attended at VGH so that I could continue to do a lot of teaching. And I did lectures at VGH just to keep my finger in the teaching game. Um, and, uh, and things have certainly evolved. But uh, what I've told the residents is, you know, I come to work now and I'm happy, right? Because I'm doing what I want to do. I want to teach and I want to see patients, right? And some of those things don't necessarily, they're not as lucrative sometimes. Some of these things you're doing, they do take more of your time. Um, they pull me away from things, sometimes pull me away from family things. But because I enjoy them and they give my work value and they give me value, it's worthwhile, right? And so I think that's the important thing that, I, that I, I try and tell residents now when I have them rotating with me. I really try and sit down with them and be the person that I was, that I would have wanted. And there were mentors that actually sat down with me and kind of wanted to just really honestly look at it. And, I, and I, the first thing I tell residents when I sit down with them is, don't tell me what you think I want to hear, right? I want you to tell me what, what makes you happy. Right? What would you like to do? And it's gonna stay in this room, it's not gonna go anywhere else, but you tell me what makes you happy, right? And then, you know, if we're talking about life and careers and stuff, which some residents do wanna to talk to me about, and then I, you know, I try and encourage them to really pursue it. Because in my experience, um, you will be happy and you will do well if you're passionate about something and you enjoy it. And if you're not passionate about something and don't enjoy it, and you're just going through the motions and eventually, you know, like you say, you'll burn out, right? You'll say, well, why am I doing this? I mean, you're accomplishing something, you're seeing people and you're, you know, but if you don't feel like it's, it's achieving a certain goal, like you say, then, then 
you're probably eventually going to feel like it's mundane and routine, right? And then that's, that's, you know, I think where some people mid-career, they burn out. I say, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years. This is, this is kind of boring, right? And, yeah. You know, the actual practice of medicine becomes, for all of us, probably becomes somewhat routine, I would say. You know, you learn how to do a consult pretty quickly and, you know, do your thing. I mean, for me, I still do the clinical teaching unit because it's unpredictable, right? And sometimes that's scary because it's unpredictable, but it's also unpredictable and it makes you think on your feet. And the residents certainly make you kind of keep you on your toes because they ask you questions that you can't always answer, right? Yeah. So, um, whereas I could see if I had just opened up a practice and just churned out pa you know, patients for the next 10, 20 years, yeah. I'd rapidly become quite yeah. bored and disenfranchised with the practice of medicine, yeah. right? So, so to me, you know, to get the added kind of enrichment of my practice, it's doing things like teaching. I've kind of segued into administration. I never had that kind of goal in the beginning, but um, it's just kind of naturally formed that way. And that's also another thing I tell people is like, you may not know when you start practice, you know, where your path is going to take you. You know, I'm sure Joelle didn't necessarily say she was gonna be a wellness champion when she first started out as a family doctor, right? Uh, some people don't even know, like, hospice was a very new thing, right? Some people, like, the traditional role was you go open an office as a family practitioner, right? Um, you know, so I think that uh, sometimes you can evolve your job, you know, and make it, uh, you know, transform into a way that, you know, gives back that enrichment. That's what I would say. And I always say a happier doctor leads to happier patients. Oh, definitely. You know, 100%. And a couple of points from what you said that I, I picked up on was one, your self-awareness that you were burnt out. And two, I was just to say, number two, the importance of a supportive partner. And I, I hope to have a, a podcast episode about that in the future. Yeah. I think that would be really, really good. Mm -hmm. What um, I liked about uh, Gerald's story is, yeah, first of all, it was his wife that noticed and then Gerald had this path and he knew it was going to be this academic researcher and there is this thing like physicians all especially coming out of med school and residency you've got this identity of who you're going to be and there's actually like a little bit of loss and grief to say I was going to be this this researcher published in VGH at the ivory tower and you give that up and that's like a a really major thing to do and so like I, I commend you on that and I hate to like circle back to what we were talking about earlier there was this question Ben you asked like what do you guys think about the term burnout like a lot of people aren't using that they're using moral injury and then this week I got something about it's not burnout it's not moral injury it's human rights violations of physicians but what I like about burnout and this idea that there could be a spectrum of like horrifically burnt out to outstandingly well and super zen is like wherever you are on that spectrum what if you could be five percent better and you could be potentially you don't, may not know how you're going to be five percent better but when you sit down with Gerald or Smear or someone who's been through things and they can like talk to you in a reflective way and you can see it through their eyes because we all as physicians and humans we have all these rules in our mind like there's a way to do it and you go through the steps but in, in 2019, you can do things differently and there's other options and like you need someone who's been through it to let you know that 
it's not black and white and it's not a zero sum game. It's yes and, and you can create what's most important to you. Um, I think maybe we'll, we'll wrap things up here. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you uh, for, first of all, inviting me to this project. It's been a lot of fun um, meeting you um, and, and planning this project. And I, I have big hopes for this podcast. I think we all do. And uh, I want to ask uh, any of the listeners to uh, message us, each, any one of us, if they have any ideas for topics or if you're interested in maybe sharing a story that um, people would want to hear um, or just any comments or any feedback. Uh, I think we, uh, myself, Samir, Joel, and Gerald would be very happy to uh, discuss those with you. Any final comments? No, I, I would say that it would, as you've said, Ben, it would help to kind of get some feedback and see, you know, our, our podcast is fairly malleable right now. And it's kind of, we would like to make it as uh, appealing to as many people in our community as possible. So the more people that could give us feedback on things that they would like us to tackle would be fantastic. You know, I think there is there's good evidence that, you know, when I looked at how to, some things that improve, you know, as Joel was talking about, like if you can get people 5% better, you know, that would be great. And uh, even just people coming together and having, you know, meetings over lunch or dinner, they say that improves people's wellness, you know, by a significant margin. And that was kind of originally what I thought I would do to start tackling things was have these dinner meetings and we'd have a subject and stuff like that. But then, you know, when you start to plan it, everyone's like, well, I can't find an evening. I mean, it took us like two weeks to find an evening that we could get together and that's only four people, right? So, so now I think this could be an evolved method of that where we say, okay, this podcast is gonna try and bring people together, mm -hmm. you know, and we can tackle a topic that would be of interest to people. And uh, and so I'm really excited about this as well. No, I wanna thank I wanna thank everybody for listening to the first episode of Behind the Stethoscope podcast. It was a, a real honor and, and pleasure to have this discussion with each of you, Joel, Samir, and, and Gerald. Um, it actually uh, led to a discussion that was, it was very, very, thoughtful and, and, and invaluable to myself, actually. Um, and we, that's what we hope for this podcast. We hope that uh, with this podcast, um, we are able to have people share stories um, and not just talk about physician burnout, but could be, we hope to have many interesting topics in the coming year um, with stories of uh, triumphs every day, uh, behind the scenes, day-to-day uh, -day life uh, difficulties, and hopefully we all can learn as a community from each other's stories. Uh, I think that would be our, our ultimate goal for this podcast. And um, we're very fortunate, actually, and I'll ask Joel to uh, discuss this more, that we were very fortunate to have uh, support from um, our medical association um, for this project. And uh, maybe, Joel, you can talk a little bit more about um, some of our support that we've received for this project. The Doctors of BC has made available money to our Medical Staff Association to help with physician-initiated projects. So I thank Samir for initiating this podcast project, and, and I hope it's uh, got some legs and longevity to it. It's been great to be involved. And I am looking forward to 
this podcast being a means to reach more of our members throughout the Royal Columbian Hospital, Eagle Ridge Hospital, and all the community practitioners in between, whether that be GPs, ophthalmologists, dermatologists, it's really nice to get to connect everyone with this podcast. And I'm really looking forward to our upcoming episodes. And Samir, um, I think we're targeting, hopefully for this calendar year, to um, be able to do four to six of these podcasts coming up. And uh, so there's a lot for uh, people to look forward to uh, in the future. Um, I think we're all working hard to uh, get uh, guests to hopefully participate. But um, yeah. Yeah, and we uh, absolutely welcome ideas and involvement um, for all our local colleagues. And you can email us at behindthestethoscope at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.